Yeah, after you call, I'm not. Say, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling our both of us together out because I'm saying mere minutes ago we made a slight joke about people that don't get original with their deer names like the Big Eight, and we're gonna stand there trying to hold that argument, and then we've done named a ridge Big Buck Ridge. <laughs> Like, we could have named it literally anything else and it been more creative. <laughs> well, we need to rename it then. The only thing we could have I called don't. it less original if we'd have called it the Deer Hunting Ridge. And welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. Today we are sitting at the new camp at Kudzu Bluff, uh, Jordan and myself. And before we get into the episode, what we need to cover. Outdoor Channel, as always, fourth quarter shows. Sundays, Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Primo's Truth About Hunting. You can find Primo's Truth About Hunting just about every day of the week. Somewhere. Search it. Yeah. I just I like to cover it on here because we're people, very accessible. People always be asking. Um, we still, like I said, we've talked about this, I think, three weeks now, but I still continue to get questions, so uh, continue to talk about it. Um, there are There will be no more for now we are done with new episodes on youtube um all those episodes are up there uh you can go to youtube like he said if you want to watch pretty much truth about hunting like jordan said it's accessible if you look hard enough you, you really don't even have to look hard you just go to youtube primo's hunting will be the first channel to pop up and there's all those new new episodes uploaded if you haven't checked those out yet but for those that have been asking why there haven't been new episodes coming out on tuesdays it's because that run of episode that run of episodes is done and uh we'll have new ones again it's just going to be a little while yep and uh custom meal shop yep custom meal shop it is getting gift buying season and everybody seems like they're doing e-commerce buying this year so you can definitely go to the website and get you some christmas gifts well, the, th- loved one. the thing I like about it, and I may be sure I don't, I may not be the only one that thinks like this, but uh, I grew up a Primo's fan, like a fan of like Primo's calls, especially turkey Absolutely. turkey calls. But then I would also see like, because you know, cust- custom calls per se aren't like a new thing; those have been around. Yeah. But so I mean, I can remember trying to get custom calls or you know get some you know a call that had something engraved on it or or something but it's in that world you had to do one or the other you know i couldn't be a primos fan and get a primos call and and it be custom as well it just didn't work that way and a lot i mean custom calls like they can be really really pretty but they sound like crap yeah yeah you're not wrong but these you know you can you can get your custom call made you know your name or whatever you want to do on it and take that baby to the woods and use it yeah so and and it was so it's cool for me now i could see you know like the younger me if this was before i worked for primos when i was growing up watching it if i had the custom meal shop availability they have now i would have been all oh, over yeah. that and i mean they're they're still hand-tuned right in brookhaven mississippi yeah i mean, I mean they, they are freaking made in mississippi these are made from start yeah. to finish from Bro- a block of wood to the finished products in the same place it's the same you know yeah the same process and time and care put in into making these calls you're just now able to customize them yeah. so it, it's a very cool thing it's something it, it's that and 
like I said, back during the springtime, I said the most exciting thing Primo's had going on was the new web series, and I'm still very excited about that. But the 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 custom mill shop, especially with game calls, because you know obviously now Primo's has ground blast, trail cameras, trigger sticks. You know they have all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But game calls is always going to be the root of what Primo's is, obviously. So yep. this custom mill shop thing is is very cool. It's something that I'm I'm very proud to to say of primos because mm-hmm. it's cool and so you know, they've got turkey calls deer calls um skull mounts yeah the skull i got i got one last year from a buck or killed a cotton mouth pretty neat because i'll always remember it and you know it says up there the day i killed it where it was you know cotton mouth yeah. and uh, what i shot it with too that's you what know, the, that's pretty cool the first buck i killed at cotton mouth last year um with you in the secret patch <laughs> that big nine point with my bow yep i got him on one of those custom skull plaques yeah so they're pretty cool um you know well once you get so many skulls and whatever over the years you uh sometimes look at them like where did i kill that deer at then you remember (laughs) and but with this deal you know it's labeled on there so you can remember that forever and anybody ask you know well look at it yeah it it really is cool just because um and we, for those that are listening to this right now, like I, you might be sitting there thinking that we've got a script in front of us and we planned this. We really didn't. Like I know things we want to hit on before we get into the meat of the podcast, but since we are talking about it, like I can remember the way they do those now, it reminds me of like my granddad, he had this, you know, those like old, old deer mounts where it's like it's the skull plate with like a with like a velvet the thing. red or yeah. green it's red, red or green, green velvet time. over yeah those are whenever i see one of those it still reminds me of my daddy doll and a lot of them usually have a little gold plate yep. on them. exactly that's what i was talking about they'd have it'd be the little velvet you know, antler thing wouldn't it, it wouldn't be the full skull just a skull plate you couldn't see the skull plate because it was covered by that velvet and up under it'd be look like a little gold plate look like something you'd see at a uh, city league baseball trophy yeah like one and it would say like if it was my granddad's it'd say william dole clanton and it would say the date and it'd say eight point or something like that yeah. and that's what these these new custom meal shop skull hangers they remind me of like an updated version of that because mm-hmm. it's you know it's a real nice finish and like is it, you can go into how much detail however much detail you want you can just put your name on it the date you can put name date what you killed it with where you killed it but yeah, it's cool stuff. So all that you can check out primos.com. Go to the custom mill shop, and you'll see all the options available. And um, yeah, as as was leaked last week, uh, it got posted on the Primos Facebook and Instagram page. We just recently did a little video about the custom mill shop. That's probably <laughs> going to be pretty <laughs> pretty yeah. funny. So be on the lookout for that. Um, one thing we've got two two subjects to hit on today first of which i've had a really good time or i've had more uh something i've been doing lately is basing these podcasts which we always try to tailor it to the listeners right i mean that's that's why we do this in the first place but i've been trying to do that even on a more like a more direct base like who wants to listen to what so like last week's podcast stand access that was based off of a poll and so today we're going to be talking about stand location which the two of those go hand in hand but before we do that there's a fun i mean it's kind of a i mean it's a fun subject to talk about but i put a poll out uh asking how i said how the question was phrased 
how do you feel about naming bucks that you're going to hunt? Mm-hmm. Like it or don't like it? And I think it was like 74% said they liked it and 26% said that they didn't. And I'm pretty sure my math is right on that. I did catch flack because last week we were answering that dude's question about his land, about food plots and everything. And I said that an acre and a half per 100 acres was 10%. And it's absolutely not. I had several people call me out on that. That would be 1.5%, I think. But I think it was... 74% 74% liked naming deer that they're going to hunt. 26% didn't. Yeah. What are your thoughts on naming deer? Like, we name them. We, I mean, just, I don't, they don't really have a name, but when we're talking about a deer, like yesterday, we got this deer here that we've, we have been watching him all year, and now that we know who like know the deer and when we're talking like if i'm texting late like yeah the funky deer showed up yeah yeah like i guess he's named now you know i guess (laughs) but uh, but i I really don't like try to name a deer i I don't get caught up in all that we have definitely named deer like mufasa and rocker and all those but uh like i don't the first time I see a picture of a deer, I don't say, we need a name for him. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't have a problem with people naming them, per se. But I just, like, a deer's, I mean, doesn't have a name. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but here's where, like, the reason I ask that question is it's not like, it's not, it's, this is not a topic that's a hill worth dying on one way or the other. No. It's you know? Mean, like. If a deer doesn't have a name, it's fine with me. If he does have a name, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I asked just because I was curious because, like, obviously, I'm not against it because, I mean, I'm not – I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this the right way. I can't say I'm against it because, like you said, we've had deer like Rocker. We've had deer like Mufasa. I didn't even think about yesterday. I, when You've I, got a deer hanging up over here with names. Devil Ants. Yeah. yeah, good point. I can't say that I'm against it. Um, and then, like, I wasn't even thinking last night brad i was filming brad and when i when we were filming jordan was running around checking some trail cameras and he checked a spot and i didn't even think about it and halfway named a deer i said did you is Funkhorn on there but yeah. i wasn't trying to go his name is now Funkhorn. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i just think like i, I think it, it the most argument so mo, most people i'm looking at it now was 76 percent like it 24 percent don't it was uh some people all they did was vote and then i had some people reply to the story and i had several people say they were like i'm not i like using it because it's a good way to describe to somebody especially if you're on a lease or somebody or someplace where you got multiple people people hunting it you can identify a deer better when you're talking to somebody yeah you know better than saying well we saw the eight point well which one you know that that one eight point that we've been seeing well if you call him something else you know i think that's where the whole naming deer came from honestly and it's gone to a different level now yeah the the only time when i have a problem with it is it's just it's not even a problem it's just i wouldn't do it is like it can get like a little bit over the top yeah you know what i mean like we've got to come up with a great name for this deer. for every (laughs) single deer we see (laughs) like yeah like i understand it when you're you're trying to tell somebody yeah. what deer's what you know like yeah that deer with the funky horns he's you know the funk horn deer yeah 
Well, or, that one, if a it, rocker, because he looked like he's got a rocking chair on his head. And some of them, like some of them, earn names, you know, or something will happen, and uh, you know, it just it just fits them, or or he's just so big, like uh, like rocker, yeah, or Mufasa, but uh, or he has something unique, like like Devil Lance had them crazy brow tines, yeah. But it's like the only time I'm, I see it just going. Just a little bit over the top is just naming every deer, and it's still it's it's kind of whatever floats your boat. If you want to name every deer, name every deer. It's yeah. just not me. Sometimes yeah. I think it's all right to just be like killed an eight point. Oh, what was his name? He didn't have one. He was just an eight point. <laughs> yeah, I can see that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, yeah, but but I thought that was curious because I and the reason I brought that up to begin with is I had someone come to me with that. Someone sent me a long message and they were genuinely bothered about this naming deer thing like it was going to be the detriment to whitetail hunting i'm like i don't think it's that big of a deal i'll yeah. give you that some people i think get a little carried away but if they want to do that fine i mean if you think about it and really dissect this every deer that you like want to harvest you have a name for him in your head it may be the big eight it may be the big nine has still a name fair you know that's fair that nine point well his name's that nine point <laughs> yeah who's that nine point which one you know that that big one that nine that nine point the one i want to kill yeah <laughs> you have what's funny to me is you have like uh you have like some guys and they name their deer quotes air quotes they name them but they there's like no originality to them and that's fine like i said this is it's not like there's a right or wrong way to do this but they're like oh that's the big 10 you know yeah. that's the wide nine that's the tall tined eight point, you know, and it means I'm like, hey, it's descriptive. You know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but then I remember back when I was working at uh, Midwest Whitetail, a guy that I got to, he, he's actually the first deer, uh, he was actually the first deer hunt I ever filmed, a guy named Scott Pruka. That guy had the most original names for his shooter bucks. Like, I just I was like, how do you just, I mean, it wasn't like it was just out of this world, the names he was coming up with. I just don't, didn't know how he would apply some of these to deer. But, you know, you've got the guys on the creative side. And then that, like, I remember he named one of his deer Cheech because he had real <laughs> high antlers. He said he was always high. I was like, that's fair. You know? <laughs> but, and then uh had one named Blanco, you know, but again so yeah i just thought that was funny to talk about the funny the ones that tickle me like make me laugh are like when somebody kills a deer and then names it <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i've been after fred for a long time well, i've never heard you talk about fred this is him this is his name now oh you had him on camera a bunch no it's the first time i saw him but this is fred fred i, I knew he was here though yeah i know or yeah what can we name him? <laughs> He's a deer. <laughs> He's a <laughs> His name is Deer. Yeah. I don't know. Hope I don't think we'll upset anybody talking. I mean, I'm not trying to upset anybody. No, like I said to start with, I am unbiased either way, really. Yeah. It was like I and I can't <clears throat> like again, if I sat here and said that naming whitetails were dumb, then I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world cuz <laughs> we've already started. Yeah. I mean, like we've done it. So, it you know, it's to each his own. And it's we've just, got that, you know, the eight point, the fl the big tall two eight. The big tall two eight. The one has got the funny two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to call him. Funny two. The funny two. <laughs> the funny two. Oh, funny two. If you say it quick enough, it sounds like you're saying something else. Funny two. 
I don't know. Jimmy will probably, I don't know, Jimmy will find something to name something. And then I don't even remember who came up with Rocker's name. I think Troy. Did he? I think so. I know. It's been so long ago. I know I did not. I just, I mean, I was presented a trail camera picture of that deer when we first got him, and they went, that's Rocker. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I think it was because Troy named Mufasa and Rocker, I think, the same day Hmm. or within the same week. They did pop up the same year yeah when we first and we killed mufasa that year we did not kill rocker that took three more years yep so in the i want to talk about we'll go into stand location well like you said stand location stand access kind of go hand in hand but there's more subjects that you can dive into i usually base my stand location off of the access yeah which is fair yeah which is I mean, which is very fair, but there's still, you know, like to go on like the most obvious thing. You can't, you co- you know, if someone just because it's the best access, you may still be like not even close to being in the ballpark, you know. Yeah. So. But then again, if you have your stand in the right spot and the access is not good, you're still in the same boat. Fair. Fair. It's a balance. Yeah. Fine line. Um, one thing, and we'll go into this one first because I know. And it, it, it's a big factor regardless of where you're at, but I would say through whatever traveling to different regions, whitetail hunting I've done, I'd say it's a bigger factor in the southeast. But when someone, when you hear someone say stand location, a lot of times I think the the connotation is like, all right, he's just talking about, they're going to talk about where your stand is for getting a shot at a deer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you may find a tree that the access is good. It's probably going to put you at a good top pin shot for a bow, but that thing ain't got no cover. Yeah. You know, it's just an awful tree. Like as far like the location of the tree is great. How you can access the tree is great. You can get a stand in that tree, but you're going to get picked off. We, we ran into the same scenario last week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Over there on the Big Buck Ridge. Big Buck Ridge. <laughs> That is a food plot We're now. just sitting here talking about naming stuff and being unoriginal, and me and you named something <laughs> Big Buck Ridge. It just happened, too. You know, we didn't think about it. Just flexing our it's, originality it's, muscle. It's when, <laughs> when you have a spot like that, and you keep talking about it, like, and every time you have to explain in detail where you're talking about, it's a lot easier just to call uh, it a certain spot. I'm not faulting you. Like, I'm saying, like, obviously that place needs a name. I mean, you, you named got, the camera Big Buck Ridge. Uh, yeah, after you call, I'm not, <laughs> say, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling our both of us together out because I'm saying, mere minutes ago, we were talking, we made a slight joke about people that don't get original with their deer names, like the Big Eight, and we're going to stand there. Trying to hold that argument, and then we've done named a ridge Big Buck Ridge. <laughs> like, we could have named it literally anything else and it been more creative. <laughs> well, we need to rename it then. The only thing we could have I called it less original if we'd have called it the Deer Hunting Ridge, you I, know? I don't care what you call it, as long as I know where you're talking about when you call it that. It does still serve a purpose. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, me and Jordan have been calling that place Big Buck Ridge for, like, two weeks now, or a week, something like that. Yeah. But... Yeah, we ran into that on Big Buck Ridge. Yeah, uh, that's a weird, weird situation there. You can't really get into it like you need to because where the deer are coming from and how we know where the deer are coming from, we took a Bushnell trail camera, 
put it up way back on the plot and put it on field scan which is an underrated tool that is we've killed like that that tool right there on our trail camera over the last five years has probably killed more deer than anything we've done and it's underused, underutilized a lot of people i mean obviously trail cameras work great just for the standard you know use of putting the trail camera up on a tree and getting them coming you know but we seriously when we were in there last week we went in there tried to hang a stand i had a tree picked out and the tree that i picked out was absolutely awful for access did not know that at the time um and so me and jordan we backed up to the end of the plot the plot like it's on a ridge it's kind of long and narrow like we went in there with a stand prepared to hang it yeah and me you neither one of us could agree like this happens a lot yeah and we couldn't agree on where to put we said screw it we're not putting it up today we're not we don't need to put a stand up just to put one up yeah let's put a camera back up here on field scan and figure out where these deer are coming from yeah not not necessarily figuring out the trail they're using but figuring out what direction they're coming from mm-hmm. north south east west and uh turns out they're coming from the south yep so I thought they a lot of them were coming from the north off of a big trail, but turned like from the field scan showing a few does coming out that trail. But, and it looked like a power trail. I mean, it's beat. Yeah. Like, but I went over there yesterday and checked the camera, and a trail that me and you looked at, it didn't look like it had much traffic at all on it last week, has turned into a pig trail. I walked it. Yeah. I mean, it, not the trail, but I like I walked. You know, it what I has mean. absolutely turned into a power trail yeah. in the last week, and it may have been that way before, but it rained, so we can actually tell yeah. where, what deer are coming from now. I have learned, and I keep I keep having to back up and remind myself this. I, I like I have to remind myself, especially this year. Like I th- I think because we officially started, we have started hunting now. Thank God, but uh, I think these the deer hunting podcast from this camp are going to be applicable and helpful to either either a different set of our audience or it's going to be helpful in a different way because i keep having to remind myself or i or i don't have to remind myself nature reminds me without me asking that we are on a new piece of ground and you take for granted like at cottonmouth even if we were hanging a new stand in a new spot, we still, we hunted there so long, we kind of knew how the deer in every area moved. And what time of year. Yeah. Like those deer at Cottonmouth, October, they were coming from a different area. Come December, they were done changed. Yeah. And you had to move accordingly. You couldn't, I mean, a few stands worked in October that would work in December, but like we had particular stands, like they weren't any good in October. Bodoc. Yeah, Bodoc. We've both had success out of that tree in December. But you go in there in October, you may not see nothing. You'd be wasting your time. Yeah. And so, but I keep reminding myself, like, we, we go into this place and, you know, we can we know the spot's good. We've got, we had a truck camera on there before we had it on field scan. And you can, sometimes you can kind of get direction of where the deer are coming from. And you can kind of gather some from trails. But there's so much to be learned from just getting in a tree and watching yes and figuring out what they do and learning the deer putting your time in figuring that out um we we are like this year we have started from scratch uh never deer hunted on this property before never i mean i turkey hunted here once this spring so i hadn't even been on it at all really 
So we started from scratch. So if people are listening and they're getting a new camp or been hunting a place for years, this can definitely be useful, I think, yeah. to anybody. That's what I'm saying because it, it's going to be, you know, and and I knew we were hunting a new place, obviously, but it's it's like every single day it's setting in more. Like yesterday when I filmed Brad, we climb up in that tree. We're sitting there, and he, last so yesterday afternoon, Brad went Brad hunting. I was filming him. We were actually hunting on the edge of a food plot that we just planted. It's just starting to come up, but the food plot is not what we were hunting. There's a big, big white oak on the edge of that food plot that is raining. Yeah. Um, and it was like just this little bit. Like we climb up, and I get in my lock on stand. I hang my camera base. I turn around and look, and you know we're right on the edge of that ridge, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't scared of the heights or anything, but it was like, I haven't had a view like this from a tree stand <laughs> in a long time. Probably the last time is when we went to Illinois. Yeah. Big bluffs up there. Yeah. Because even, when, you know, when we go in Kansas, it's not that steep. No. You know? And, but it was just so different. And I was like, this is a different year. Yeah. This is a, this is a going to be a learning and figuring out year. And hopefully we find some success here and there. But one way or another, we're going to learn um yeah and the thing about like we like you said we're just starting to hunt and most people are like crap i thought those guys hunted every day at some point if season was open yeah well it's different this year because we're starting i mean like i said starting from scratch and we're went into the mindset on this property we're going to get everything done like we want it and know that works for as food plots and then we'll run yeah. we'll be running cameras and taking inventory writing notes on where we think the stand should be and then go put stands up and then hunt yeah i mean we're still going to change stands surely yeah but uh i think going in this slow is what's going to be successful in the long run because we're not going in the woods beating them down we're pretty much scouting for my trail cameras right now yeah well, me and Brad had actually talked about that in the tree last night. You know, we were like, we don't know how sensitive these deer are to pressure. We don't know how these deer move. We can, you know, go out and look and take an educated guess. But yeah. being as that we don't know, and this is all we have this year, and quite honestly, this place is considerably smaller than Cottonmouth was. Yeah. And so you go blowing deer out. It, you yeah, know, what I mean, are you going to do? The so pro The property we're hunting this year for the southeast – is considerably smaller than most deer camps yeah right. and, and uh so it's it's like i said it's a you it's a new challenge and it's a unique challenge and kind of like what you just said me and brad literally talked about this last night we we're like we don't know this place we'd be arrogant to think that we got it figured out already yeah so the best thing to do learning it is to exercise caution mm -hmm. to figure it out and not go blowing everything out of the woods and figure out what these deer do and that's going to be that's going to pay dividends not only this season but in seasons to come yeah and i mean i've said this feel like a hundred times already this year we're preparing now for december january yeah that is we anybody in the southeast they know that that's when the good hunting is in december january mm -hmm. is when it's really really good and uh you know over the next couple of weeks we are hunt here some for sure but you know we're going to kansas and then i think we got another trip planned maybe the last week of november and uh you know mm -hmm. starting then we'll start hunting this place you know and hopefully by then we have somewhat something figured out yeah it's it, um especially now that we finally started hunting 
it's like my level of eagerness is at an all-time high just to see yeah. how this all unfolds mm-hmm. to really see what's out here because hey, you want to be like man let's get the whole crew up here and start hunting but you know at the same time you're like if we do that we may blow our chances when the hunt's really worth something mm-hmm. and we hammer on that all the time and you know but we're gonna figure it out yeah one day at a time one step at a time one new tree stand sight at a time one trail camera at a time but we chased a rabbit hole there we're supposed to be talking about stand location that's fine <laughs> uh like i said seriously for y'all that are listening hot tip of the day field scan on trail cameras is a severely underutilized tool yeah severely and what what if you don't know what field scan is it's pretty much a time lapse mm-hmm. and on the bushnell cores you can set it to go off at any time of day you want to and it takes a picture like every minute until you tell it to quit yeah you set your time intervals and like ours i think it starts at like three thirty or four o'clock in the afternoon and runs till like six yeah or six i said i think i tried to set it like right after lunch to right when it like right when it gets dark dark the time lapse stops yeah, so. and and the thing about that is i know you're thinking you're like well i only have one trail camera and i need to do you can you can set it where it's going to do both like it still it, takes pictures yeah. of something walks by yeah it's still going to function and it still takes them at night and all that yeah but it's going to do the time lapse thing as well and it'll separate the files like when you go and look at it on your computer you'll have the regular trail cam pictures and then you can pull up the field scan and it'll or the the other ones did primo's cameras did. primo's cameras did this one does the, the bush nails don't okay cool but well, you still can find it pretty easily. Yeah, Sorry. No, you just scan through them. Missed a detail. What I do is, uh, like, I was looking through them last night, and I'll just, because, I mean, we're not going to be hunting during the middle of the day anyway, so I just scroll down to about 4.30 or 5 and start looking. Yeah. Because the deer start showing up, you know, 30 minutes before dark or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's how I do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So let's get back on stand location. <laughs> um. So back to the first thing we talked about finding cover in a tree or finding a tree that has good cover is a huge factor like if uh if there's a tree that's in a good spot and it's good accessible and it doesn't have cover i'm still not going to put a stand there Mm -mm. because you here at least yeah i mean like we hunt a lot out of ladder stands so we got a 20 foot radius and we'll look up there at guesstimating you know 18 to 22 feet in that tree and see what's up there yeah. and it may have great cover at 15 feet but with our stand setups we don't that doesn't work so we yeah. have to look and guesstimate at that certain height and be like can we put a stand right there will it fit with a camera stand because that's a big deal too that that's another scenario a lot of people don't have to worry about is camera if, if it's split or a big limb coming off of it or something like that you know yeah and uh but that's that's one of the things we look for is when we find a tree we look up there you don't look at the ground cover i mean that's got something to do with it if it gets high enough but you look up there at like what we all do this we back up like 30 yards look at it yeah and if that thing's got pretty decent cover at 20 feet we're like yeah that'll work mm-hmm. and that obviously that changes if you have lock-ons if you have a climber you know but it cover is is absolutely huge figuring out whether or not you're backlit really bad or yes. skylined i had that problem at the zoo this year i was hanging stands for opening weekend out there and i found this tree i wanted to hunt <clears throat> and uh i looked up there at like 25 feet where normally you'd want to be yeah like just bow hunting in the south you want to get as higher the better yeah 
and uh i was like crap that's wide open but it's, it's where it needs to be and i moved down like to 15 feet and it was great cover. more cover so i put the stand there and actually hunted it opening day and like i don't know if i've hunted that low to the ground in a long time in mississippi but i didn't get spotted at all i did notice when we drove by there those lock-ons were lower than normal yeah but i didn't you know we were driving by pretty quick so i was just like huh but yeah but i, I did that just for the cover reasons and uh, i mean it's gone now because leaves started falling sure. but you know you had two or three good hunts out of it and yeah. you know you may have to back off or move now because they will spot you where it is now yeah well that's another thing too i see people fall into and i've been guilty of it as well it's like once you hang that stand there it's like subliminally you're like that's where that stand is now it's permanent that's where that stand <laughs> that stand goes right there that yeah. is where it stays and you're like no you can move that thing and the thing about hunting like hang on setups you know if you've got a tree that's got that good cover at 15 feet and uh you know come whenever leaves fall off you move up another 10 feet yeah and you're behind some limbs or something like that you know that's a cool thing about hunting hang on setups you can yeah. move them to the cover which these days too like the millenniums with the brackets oh they're super easy if you if you are too lazy to move one of those then i don't know what to tell you because those are literally and this is not a sponsored ad millennium does not sponsor us no they're just really good stands and i discovered i think when we first fooled with them was in kansas last november mm -hmm. this is the easiest lock on i've ever hung in my life yeah that the the ones with the quick attached bracket are the key yeah because you go up there and you ratchet that bracket to the tree then you pull your stand up and throw it in that bracket you ain't got to be hanging on the tree trying yeah. to loop a rope or a chain yeah. around or whatever. it's incredibly you know i would say that because i have guys you know some guys i know the saddle hunting thing's huge now and that's great and then there's guys that use climbers um and then there's a lot of guys that do like the the um just the sticks and stand mm -hmm. one of those millenniums would be a great option for that yeah i mean because i mean you, like jordan said you can leave the stand on the ground go up with your sticks hang that bracket pull the stand up boom you're hunting i'm actually thinking about ordering one of those saddles just for I don't think it would be something I hunt out of all the time. Yeah. But far as like hunting like a place like this, like like figuring it out, like yeah. You can go and hang and hunt and be you know get up there and doing what we do filming wise. I don't know if it's gonna work. I would love some feedback from somebody who's been doing it. So I have no idea before I spend three hundred dollars, yeah. three fifty, whatever they are. I've seen guys that film out of those saddles, but most of the ones I've seen, they're not using arms and bases. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's not possible. I just don't know. Like I'd like to hear from somebody that's tried it. Yeah, I could definitely see the the coolness about doing that because it looks like it'd be legit for getting up in a tree and for scouting purposes and hunting. You know. I, mean, I know a lot of the public land guys like hunting public they use them all the time yeah but well, our buddy uh spencer that we talked to last year like yeah. he said and he's not hunting on public land he's hunting his own place and he climber hunted a bunch uh -huh. he said he's in love with that saddle now well if, if he's kind of like i am he'd rather be in a climber than he had anything yeah and if he's in, likes that i probably would too he's got to figure the filming situation out i'm it? sure well because when i first heard about that thing my first thought was how in the world do you shoot your bow with all that going on <laughs> but I, apparently it works you know so yeah well it, i got feedback from brett the other day and he said it's freaking awesome for gun hunting but he hadn't done it enough with a bow to really give me a fair answer yeah yeah i mean i gun hunting i can see easily but you know bow hunting you just got so much more going on but 
We keep chasing rabbit holes, man. <laughs> oh, that's stands. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean, stands. T- you talk about getting like where you need to be is that I can't imagine if you got on like tree spikes on your boots and had a saddle, man, I'd be all over the place. <laughs> you go anywhere, man. It really is. I mean, because we we talk about this all the all the time, but we really like I'd almost have to like reassimilate myself. Because when I talk these days, when I talk think about stand locations, I'm thinking about what you're talking about. Like, I mean, very rarely. Um, I mean, we do some double double lock on sets, but most of the time, just with filming, the best the thing that works best for us is a ladder and lock on. And so you're trying to find trees that work with that, mm-hmm. which is a specific tree. Yeah. <laughs> Not every tree does. There's some trees that you're like, this would be perfect for two lock ons. Yeah. But you ain't getting a ladder in there. Yep, so, I mean, the biggest, like, stand location to me, I mean, you definitely have to be close to where you think you'll get a shot, but, like, the biggest thing is not getting seen. Biggest, yeah. yeah not that's getting what, seen or smelt. And that's what I think cover is just so often overlooked, it, truly. That's why oh, I brought yeah. that up first. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> I don't know how many times we've gone somewhere or been riding on somebody's place or just even in, like, hunting public land, like, he's like, how does anybody ever hunt out of that stand? Every deer within 100 yards are going to see them. Dude, and then I'm not going to call anybody out. I should because it would be funny. But, like, how many times, and I know you've gotten one of them, you get sent, like, me and you get, like, a Snapchat from one of our buddies. And they'll send you a video of the stand they hung. And you're like, bro, you're in a telephone pole. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there ain't no cover. I mean, you can definitely get away with it. I've seen stranger things happen, but I want to be able to – be in a spot where a deer never know I'm there. I just don't like. I I, I want. It's just like turkey hunting, man. I I want to be able to go hunting, and if I don't, if I, nothing happens, and I want to be able to get out of there without deer ever knowing you're there, ever disturbed. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, hunting, hunting is a very. I mean, it's a a varied sport, and you're hunting wild critters, and nothing's guaranteed. So. And nothing's impossible. So, like I said, you can get away with that. But I've seen the no cover thing fall apart so many times. Like I said, you wouldn't – I wouldn't even begin to risk it. I'd be mm-hmm. like, there's no sense in hanging it right there. You're going to get busted. I mean, you still get looked at and stomped at and old head bobbled at. And even if you had the best cover in the world, if you move at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. There's just too many things going against you. And these daggum does, they're the ones you got to worry about. Yeah, because them suckers, I I swear, I don't know what their memory is, but they've got to have some type of memory, because like Cottonmouth, we had some particular does that we we knew that it was the same doe because some of them had like a couple of different color variations or something yeah. or a scar on their back. I yeah. can't remember, like at Reba, I don't Reba. She was notorious for it. She, like, we actually hung two stands one time. One was a decoy stand. <laughs> I, I killed her that afternoon, but we had a decoy stand hung up that she, had, like, we had hunted out of it. To distract her. We had hunted out of that stand, <laughs> and she blew us, like, busted us bigger than crap. She busted everybody that hunted out of that stand. Yeah. So, me and Troy went in and hung a different stand across the plot from it, and she came out looking up in that other stand for, like, a minute or two. Yeah. And saw it wasn't nobody up there, and, and boy, she, she got busted that afternoon. Yeah. But... That's crazy, but I I swear they have memory because they they'll come out looking in those spots those stands have been in. We like were if, hunt- they, if they know where they're at. I told Will 
I was filming Will. It was the afternoon at Cottonmouth. You remember he killed that really, really wide eight point mm-hmm. at the uh, pit plot. And um, I told Will, I said, I've seen, I said, or, or no, it, we didn't talk about it prior to. We didn't talk about it prior to. But the pit plot was kind of like a long, narrow food plot. Yeah, it has like a lane that yeah. was planted. And uh, I remember this doe comes off the road and the the stand we were in was at the very end of the food plot yeah and she comes at the very front of it and she is walking down the lane towards the end and I, we, me and will are both watching this deer and will goes oh my gosh that doe was walking down that lane the whole time all she was doing was looking up in the trees looking at every tree on both sides of that lane yeah and wilbur's like she is looking for tree stands. I said, yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what it appears to be. And he's like, I've never seen. He's like, I've seen them look in trees before, but I've never seen one do that. I mean, she was scanning, and then she saw us. <laughs> she saw you know why? Because the tree we were in didn't have very good cover. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, was, that was a tree. It was like, well, we might get one hunt out of this thing. We killed a buck. Yeah, but that, that was the first time y'all sat in it, too. Yeah, and he was um, – like we had cover, but it was no. Cause you know what we did? We made cover. Yeah, we we hauled hauled limbs up. We there. cut some privet off and tied it around to to make us some cover. But it was just one of those we moved when we shouldn't have moved. Which when you got two people in a tree, I mean, it's just added. But yeah, when I that's probably the one of the bigger factors for me that often gets overlooked in terms of stand location is cover. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, so that would be what I would what I would hammer on the most. Um, trying to think what if there's anything else we need to add. We've already been talking for forty minutes. Bunch of rabbit trails, man. Oh yeah, that's fine. I'm sure if they've if the folks that listen to this podcast often they're probably used to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean we stay on topic sometimes. Um so yeah, guys, we'll wrap that up. Uh and yeah, expect us back here next week. I'm sorry this podcast is a day late and I apologize about that. But we'll be back next week as always. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to send them in. As you've seen, we will cover them on this podcast. Hope you'll have a good rest of the week. Happy hunting and as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.